Hi, I'm Dan Permac, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today's Wednesday, March 24th. A shipping container is stuck in the Suez Canal. Operation Warp Speed's former science chief is out of a startup because of sexual harassment allegations, and we're focused on Congress's latest swing at big tech. House Democrats tomorrow will hold their first big tech hearing of 2021, with witnesses to include Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, Google CEO Sundar Pichai, and Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. If that sounds a little like deja vu, that's because it is. This will be the fourth time Zuckerberg has testified since last July, and the third time for Pichai and Dorsey. One big difference, though, is that while this is a House hearing, this will be the first one in which the Senate and White House are both controlled by Democrats which means there might be more potential for post-hearing legislation to actually get passed. The question then is what sort of legislation that would be. As you might imagine, a lot of the conversation is revolving around Section 230, the law that exempts social media platforms from being held liable for content posted to their platforms, even if those platforms engage in content moderation in terms of removing content or promoting content. Altering or even abolishing Section 230 has been a pet cause for years of conservatives who argue they're too often censored by big tech. But movement on 230 now is also growing among Democrats, particularly in the wake of January 6th. One of those Democrats is California Congresswoman Anna Eshoo, whose district is smack dab in the middle of Silicon Valley. She'll be among those asking questions at tomorrow's hearing and has proposed a bill that would keep the liability shield for big tech, except in cases where platform algorithms promote or amplify terrorist content or content that's considered to interfere with civil rights. In 15 seconds, we will talk to the Congresswoman about what she hopes to learn tomorrow, why she's targeting algorithms, and the political realities of battling big tech. But first, this. We're joined now by Congresswoman Anna Eshoo of California. Congresswoman, tomorrow you are going to have Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and Sundar Pichai up in front of your committee. These guys have testified a bunch in front of Congress over the past year. What do you hope to accomplish in tomorrow's hearing that hasn't necessarily been accomplished in past hearings? It's wonderful to be with you. Uh, well, I think too often in Congress we're asking questions about content moderation. Uh, Examples, should Facebook remove some specific post or should Twitter ban a certain account? Those are important questions, but I think it's just dealing with the symptoms. So when you're sick, you need to treat the symptoms to feel better. I think it's time for Congress to really address the underlying disease. I hope that the uh, hearing uh, will will deal with that. That really is the uh, the larger question that needs to be answered and addressed. And when you talk about the underlying disease, I I assume what you're referring to is in the way you refer to in some proposed legislation is the algorithms that these platforms use that amplify or kind of broaden the distribution of certain tweets or posts or videos. Absolutely. These algorithms, they constantly drive anxiety, fear, hate. That's that's the outcome of it. That's what I want to deal with. There is real world violence that has come about as as a result of them. So that's why Mr. Malakowski and myself introduced legislation late in the Congress last year. And we are reintroducing our, our bill because it goes straight to and very narrowly amends 
what is Section 230. For people that don't know what that is, it's legislation that protects companies so that they don't have any liability. It was very important. That was in the 90s, mid 90s, to get the internet to grow and a great deal of innovation and good things happened as a result of it. But there are some bad things that have happened too. Correct me if I'm wrong, is as you say, Section 230 protects these firms from liability for things posted on their platform. This would keep that, but make an exception, for example, if there were things that dealt with, if there were posts, et cetera, that dealt with uh, terrorism or interference of civil rights. If that's correct, how do you define the interference of civil rights part? The reason that we have this in the bill is that interference relative to civil rights and uh, neglect Uh, They've been invoked in recent lawsuits against the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, and others following the attack on January 6th. So it does apply. Uh, Let me give you an example. During the protests following the police shooting of uh, Jacob Blake in Kenosha last summer, a white supremacist killed two men and injured more. The victims and their families sued Facebook because it hosted extremist militia groups, and Facebook's algorithms promoted an event page for one of the militias that called for violence during the protests. So our legislation simply says a court should be able to hear this case about Facebook's role uh, instead of it being tossed out on Section 230 grounds, as often happens. And this case is still ongoing. Obviously, Section 230 is a fascinating uh, piece of legislation because it is something that, you know, you're obviously a Democrat. You are interested in in making an amendment. Obviously, people on the right, we've had Ted Cruz on this show talking about how he wants to make major changes to 230 for very different reasons and different sorts of changes. The counter has always been that if Section 230 gets touched, what companies like Facebook are going to do is simply remove basically anything that is potentially controversial, that could potentially bring them to court. So anything you write about social or political issues might just leave. Is that a valid concern? I don't think so. I I think that this needs to be done with a scalpel rather than with a hammer. So I think that this is highly targeted only applies to platform companies with 10 million uh, or more users. So startups don't or won't have the same liability exposure. The real world outcomes relative to how the algorithms drive things is violence. And we have an issue in our country relative to that. I don't think that's left or right. I think that it's just wrong. And I think that it needs to be addressed. Congresswoman, you know, this is going, as, as I said at the beginning, uh, these guys have been uh, have testified numerous times in front of Congress. This will be the first time, though, they have done so, at least in recent times, with a Democratic president and Democrats controlling the Senate. Do you believe that that political partisan change means that rather than just a hearing, you're going to actually be able to get some sort of legislation passed following the hearing? Well, it's a, it's a great question. First of all, uh, there are many ideas amongst members. I think there's 20 some bills that have been introduced relative to Section 230. It's a competition of ideas, which is very healthy. We've just uh, uh, introduced this in the new Congress. We'd like to attract bipartisan support. But in Congress, you have to build. You have to build your idea. And and that is done with co-sponsors. When you talk to Republican colleagues, are you getting 
positive vibes? Uh, they're interested. They're interested. I think there are more members that have uh, a deeply unsettled uh, sensibilities about what's taking place, but don't know exactly how to get at it. There are complexities to this, so it takes time. This isn't like going up to a member and saying, let's increase the benefits in a certain program. So it's, um, there are many complexities to it. It takes time to win people over to explain it. We're both willing to do that. But I think that what is driving, as I said, members, uh, members are more than unsettled about the outcomes in terms of violence. And on the uh, public health side, we have some real issues where misinformation, disinformation has caused deaths. Your district is part of Silicon Valley. These folks have testified before. Do you believe that the big tech CEOs have come to the to accept perhaps that Section 230 is going to change in some way? They just don't know how yet? Well, it's highly profitable. Businesses are in business to make money. So anything that puts a dent in that, uh, a business doesn't like. But uh, Mark Zuckerberg has taken out full-page ads in the New York Times and said, it's time to regulate us. Now, he doesn't say what, what regulations he's talking about. Perhaps we should ask him about that. But uh, no, I, I, I don't think they'll come along easily, most frankly. And I understand that. Do you believe these companies are intentionally amplifying content that is harmful, or do you feel that there are just billions of messages going through these platforms every minute and they just can't keep up? They are literally too big to moderate. I think it's a business model and it's successful in their view because a great deal of money is made ultimately from it. I think that's what they think. What is the one thing you truly do not currently know that you want to learn from these CEOs tomorrow? I think the question that you just asked me, do you, uh, do, do they have, do they really care about these outcomes, these cases that you can name uh, list over and over and over again? I think every American company, most frankly, owes something to America. We all have a responsibility for our democracy. We revere the protection of speech. We know all of those gifts that are ours relative to the Constitution. But when things start going sideways and, and people are engaged and the algorithms can play on their anxieties, on their fears, and even their hatreds, and there are real life outcomes, real world outcomes, I think we need to do something about that. So I think if they, they really care about our communities and our country, that we need to address this. We should be addressing it together. Congresswoman Anna Eshoo of California, thank you so much for joining us. Sure, thank you. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Evanston, Illinois, a Chicago suburb that just became the first U.S. city ever to make reparations available to Black residents. A few things to know. First, this isn't available to all Black residents of Evanston. It's specific to those who experienced housing discrimination between 1919 and 1969 due to city policies. You either must have been a resident during those years or be directly descended from someone who was. 
Two, those who qualify will receive a $25,000 grant for home improvements or down payments on property. Three, Evanston City Council approved the program by an eight to one vote with the loan dissenter objecting not to the idea of reparations, but rather to requiring that they be spent on housing. Overall, the program will be funded via a tax on recreational marijuana and private donations, with the city pledging to distribute $10 million over the next decade. The bottom line, reparations are a topic that has been simmering for years in America. Evanston might have just pushed it a bit closer to the front burner. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers, Naomi Shaven, and Alex Sugiora. Please be sure to leave us a review. And if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please rectify that situation. Have a great National Cheesesteak Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.